Hello and welcome to Turning Point Tactics, the competitive Kill Team 40k podcast, focused on giving you the strategies and tactics to seize initiative every turning point. I'm your host, Ryan, and I'm joined by the Watson to my homes, Connor. How are you doing this evening, Connor? I'm good, thanks, Ryan. We are also joined by a man whose beard alone has experienced more Kill Team than a lesser man's entire body. He is the amazing, the wonderful, and the Warhammer World Kill Team champion, Laurie, aka Clostrio on TTS. How are you doing this evening, Laurie? Hello, thanks for having me. I'm doing fine, thank you. Awesome stuff. So for people who maybe uh, haven't heard of you before or haven't been on uh, Discord because they've they've uh, been sleeping through Kill Team or whatever, do you want to just explain to people you know, who you are? I'm Laurie. I come from Hungary. And uh, sadly, at the moment, I really have to travel a lot for some competitive uh, in-real-life tournaments like LGT and the Warhammer World. But I'm quite active over in TTS and I've been in there, I think most of there, tournament at least from last year's spring something like that i've definitely seen you being pretty active on the the tts scene and uh, obviously we first met when you came over for uh, lgt where we we went into a intercession mirror match uh, which went pretty pretty favorably to you and uh and we met again you know in in the in warhammer world tournament th- this time and it went pretty favorably to you so it's getting into a bit of a grub ma- grudge match and i'm <laughs> we'll see how it goes in the next one I'm like <laughs> i've got to start bringing my a game i can't can't, can't let it down now it's a one-sided grudge match ron i don't know what you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a one, pretty one-sided yeah like, <laughs> hopefully hopefully it feels less less bad soon but but yeah, um, so obviously you're a pretty competitive player. You know, you, you could have chosen any sort of game system to play, probably 40k or whatever it is. But what is it that made you decide that you wanted to choose Kill Team over, say, let's say 40k or, or a different skirmish game system? I tried Kill Team when it the previous edition came out, and I introduced it to my brother as well, who you know, and uh, he hated it because I took my Odmac with uh, six plasma guns and just shot him off the board uh, and after that I couldn't convince him to give it another try it's not so bad <laughs> oh it's weird that <laughs> yeah I mean what was his problem uh, but uh, I started seeing the limitations of that system and it got quite boring quite quickly I gave a try to arena on a little tournament with thousand suns and it was four players doing ground robin so it's a really small one but still i gave it a rest and i tried warcry next which was a bit more engaging than the first previous edition of kill team but still it was really luck dependent i mean you really need your dice to roll good and the melee is just going up there and punching the other guy in the face and i found that the melee in this uh, edition of kill team is really good high risk high reward it's very brutal yeah this, this, this season melee is real brutal yeah but i think i like it this way you have to take risks to just go there and punch someone in the face and yeah i think it was just uh, being engaged and getting focused on the board on the plays all the way through so alternative activations for example is a really big uh, thing for me that's why i for a big game i picked up legion because it's it has alternative activations as well and you can't just leave for soda mid-match and come back and <laughs> observe the state of the board and just yeah okay you are still moving i'll go to the toilet be right back yeah we are okay it's my movement oh, all right you can go have lunch <laughs> come back and we'll pick up the game after that um also maybe not from the get-go because best finders will be broken on release but uh, it's a fairly balanced system at the moment it has its ups and downs and some outliers but looking at the big picture it's 
pretty balanced, I think. And because of that, and especially the new tech ops and critical missions, it's quite strategic and tactical. And I would say that player skill matters more than what team you pick. A hundred percent agree. For me, the I say alternate activations keeps you engaged the whole way through, but it also feels like every decision that you make is relevant and is affecting the board state. There's a lot less random stuff like we got from the old kill team where you know you you roll a charge roll looking for a five or less or something and and fail it and it can just throw your entire game that's not quite the way in this which i think is really cool yeah absolutely so obviously we just met and we talked about you know two of the teams that that you've played but what teams are you you currently playing and you know and why did you choose those teams what what was it about those that that really appealed to you so when i first started playing i didn't really have a team i maybe because of my local meta which is still developing and learning the game i just played with whatever team i think i at most i played twice with something and just moved on to other stuff but then i enrolled in my first tts tournament when legionary came out and i was like okay let's pick the new team and give them a go i really enjoyed it though at the time i thought that zinch would be the better option over nurgle and i went with the zinch corner list and it was okay but it's not the most competitive list that I know today, but that way I learned to play over on TTS and I, most importantly, I got the courage to just go there and play with random people because I have the skill to do it and I'm willing to do it and I don't have to be afraid of that. So just stepping out of my comfort zone. After that, uh, Intercession came out and I looked at them. I really liked their rules because they were really simple, really, really simple to get into and their complexity, I think, comes from their tactical play that you have to do on well higher tables or against better opponents uh, to just stay in the game and maybe try to get ahead and for my first real life tournament which was last year's lgt i picked them because i knew that okay it's an elite team i won't have such a big mental load to play them uh, so a two days event with potentially seven games Maybe I can do it. I won't be so drained. And luckily, it turned out okay. Yeah, it seems to work out pretty well. Was it fourth or third you came for that? Uh, fourth. Fourth. Nice. First non pathfinder <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, all the Pathfinders ended up at the top, didn't they? Which was uh, yeah. probably representative of where the meadow was at at the time, I guess. Or, or a little bit still is, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But to be fair, it was Greg, my brother, John, as second, and Mark as the third place. And they're all freaking good players. So they just piloted really great, a great team. Yeah, they are annoyingly good at the game. <laughs> and uh, with a with a team that's that capable in their hands, it's um, tough. It's a tough fight to be able to, to, to hold up with an elite team against that. Because I think you touched on it there. The elite team does the, the basics really, really well. But it's it's how you then go to the higher tables where people know how to play around non-reciprocal sheeting and how to play around your activations, all that sort of stuff, where you really have to up your game and and really min-max the team to be able to get the most out of them otherwise you can get you can get quite heavily dunked on by by more skilled players yeah exactly is there any um teams that you're looking at coming up that you think's particularly particularly exciting oh well the drukari team is quiet entertaining or promises to be the hands of the archon i think that's the name the rules in a vacuum seem good but I would really have to test them on the table to see if they live up to my expectations and hopes. From my initial take, Connor and I were joking about this earlier on. We were saying how they're probably going to be pretty good for aggressive 
players, people that like to to push models out quite early on, to probably right up Connor's street, and and also probably fit pretty well up in the aggressive northern met that we have here in the UK. Because if you can get those um, those early kills, you can suddenly get quite a bit of bit of momentum going, and um, before you know it, I think you could you could run away with the game. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they turn out, and maybe if we've got a bit of time at the end, we can get a bit more thoughts on 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 the team and and what people think about them. Yeah, sure. Okay, so the ne- next thing I, I'd say is, is that obviously you, we talked about Warhammer World just then and LGT, and you mentioned that you did some TTS tournaments um, before, but is, is there any tournaments that you uh, have coming up that you're excited to, to, to look for? Well, I'm going for the Warhammer Fest one in April, which is quite promising. I hope it will be at least seven rounds. One can hope. We will see. Maybe eight. Let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, they're saying something like 100 and 20 130 players maybe so yeah. that many players you've got to have a lot of rounds and i think it's going to be two days so four four rounds a day two days doesn't sound too hard to me but no well, i guess we'll have to wait and see what about us mortals though <laughs> what about the people that, that want to go to the pub yeah i think four games can be done even with that in mind i mean we start early finish around seven or eight and go get drunk yeah i mean or get the competition drunk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you mean if you it depends how the first day goes right so if you like if you if you lose two in the first day you're you're getting you're getting white girl wasted by by, by the evening and if uh <laughs> and if you if you're on four wins you're probably just having a diet coke and going to bed at 10 um <laughs> like yeah it'll be interesting to see how, how it goes um, so obviously we've got that coming up and um, I believe there's, there's a few tournaments coming up in, in, in Hungary as well, obviously where, where you're from. Yeah, um, we'll have a small tournament in April, like two weeks before Warhammer Fest. I'm itching to go there and uh, this time around bring the team I'm aiming to bring to Warhammer Fest as well. So no mercy this time. Because <laughs> <laughs> last time we had a smaller tournament and I just rolled with Phobos because I really didn't want to just dump all over my local guys we just wanted to have some fun and i came second <laughs> still i think it's good to do that because just get people into the game because as you say it's it's easy to take a, a more meta list and oh, against people who, who are just beginners it can be it can be quite rough to go against that so like in my local nottingham tournament they're, they're making me play higher tech so, so like, <laughs> i'm fully expecting to go um you know no wins three losses whatever it is four losses on my on my local tournament but if i can get if i can get one win then that's going to be that's going to be my, my win condition for that tournament so we'll have to see how it goes oh yeah that's good to manage your expectations <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> and also have some fun i mean I enjoy playing with Phobos, and I really like their tricks, but I know that if you meet an elite team, then it's like playing 3D chess, and the guy shows up with a baseball bat, smashes the board base <laughs> pieces, and just declares that he has won, and you just nod, okay, yeah. It's the, yeah, the, I, I'm wondering if there's some play in Reavers, but every time I do the maths, I just think it, it just doesn't work out. Like, Nurgle Legionaries can just ruin you your entire tournament streak and there's yeah. i mean i had an itd tournament um well the last main tournament was an all itd uh, and i've got intercession into that over on tts and um, after the top eight cut uh, they announced a little side tournament brawl something like that and the top eight guys were only allowed to Kazaki and Phobos and uh, Hyrotech Circle and uh, I enrolled with Phobos and um, I've beaten Legionary, an Intercession, no, Void Dancer Legionary and I narrowly lost to a Legionary. So it can be done. 
it can be done. Just just for mere mortals, it's it's much much harder. <laughs> oh, it's just luck dependent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, oh yeah, I think Phobos. I just think they need rerolls, man. Like if they had if they had more rerolls, like the doctrines, it could be a completely different team. But I've rolled yeah. so many ones and twos with that team. I just I, I I don't know what to do with them. Yeah, and also they need something like a four five damage profile because against legionaries that. Two four is so cringeworthy. <laughs> yeah, because yes. and also that you like guarantees like oh I managed to get a crit save and they just go yeah I also retain a crit and you go oh brilliant thanks like yeah. it's just you you never get a damage three. Thanks for ruining my fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned there that you're going to go to obviously Warhammer Fest, which is a a, a golden ticket event. Uh, hopefully LGT as well later this year, which should be a golden ticket event. Yep. Is there any more golden ticket events that you want to try and go to this year? So, yeah, we are actually going to have one in Budapest. It's in the 3rd and 4th of June, so the first weekend. Uh, hopefully it's a two-day event. They said it's 3rd and 4th, it's still shaping up. But uh, if I have anything to do with the event, I will try to push for two-day stuff. Because for a major, it should be. Absolutely, yeah, that'd be really awesome. And for a golden ticket event, which uh, I think Europe has like six or eight total should be nice so you're saying third and fourth of june we need to get the spanish the polish the brits the french uh, i don't know if there's an italian scene i think there's an italian scene italians all to turn up to go budapest and have a fucking great time yep. trying to get that golden ticket and make it a really really big deal well hopefully that happens because i'm i'm definitely keen to go i've been to budapest once and it was it was lovely i really enjoyed it there but i was like i think 14 or something um so i want to go back as a, a as an adult and enjoy a bit of the bit of the scene so that sounds really really cool it would be absolutely lovely to have you guys here and i know for a fact that uh, my brother is probably free at that weekend as well so there's more of a competition here <laughs> oh here we go there we go the um the machine man that is would happy can uh <laughs> can turn up and yep. we'll, we'll see how that goes because i'm man he is he is scary of this pathfinders i assume he'll stick to pathfinders um, maybe we'll have a new team by then, I don't know. Well, if I paint something for him. <laughs> <laughs> he actually took my best finders with him to LGT last time because he couldn't bother to finish his in time. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I mean, he sounds like me. I absolutely hate Obby. I've just sent off my Star Striders to one of the local guys uh, that plays at our local club, but he lives in Nottingham. I'll tag him in the, in the, in the post. His name's like, at Joshua, and he's, he's hopefully going to paint them up to be table ready so, so I can go ahead and take them to future tournaments because they're seeing you play them and having played them before a little bit they do look like a heck of a lot of fun but um also the <laughs> the thought of, of, of painting them terrifies me because they have so much detail on those models and i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher that i'm gonna i'm gonna absolutely butcher it and it's gonna be <laughs> awful but obviously yours came up quite well actually and there's a picture up on our insta already of your your, your winning team from warhammer world it was just compressed paint and metal paint that's it well, it, it it seems to do the job, and it it definitely got you through the um the baseline standard of entry to Warhammer World. But but speaking of, let, let's talk about the tournament a little bit because that was obviously the the most recent tournament that we've we've just been to. I think it's probably worth looking at from from your point of view if you could give us some of the, the highlights that you thought because that, that was your first time at Warhammer World, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So maybe give us some of the highlights that you thought from the tournament. Well, the atmosphere was really lovely, and the place looks incredible. So I think Warhammer World is something that sort of a Pilgrimage for anyone who plays games workshop systems once in your lifetime go there see it taking the atmosphere and was a tiny bit disappointed 
at this point. Well, I was a tiny bit disappointed because uh, when the tickets went up for sale, it was a four-round event and we were promised to use the new stuff, the Critical Ops um, card pack. I know that they printed fewer copies than people would have liked to buy and I think that's why they rolled back and we have to use the old rules now which was a bit of a bummer because I haven't touched the stuff for three months now I think so when they sent us the letter <laughs> I just had to open my books look read the visions again because I had no idea what they were <laughs> yeah that was, that was a moment so during our game I remember um, like we're playing consecration, I'm like, I don't even remember what this mission is. <laughs> like, how do we score this primary again? And it's like, uh, yeah, there was quite a few games where I constantly had to get out of the core rules and be like, I don't remember the mission. And it's like, it's weird because we've obviously been playing that for the best part of what over a year, whatever. Yeah, but it it, it goes out your mind so quickly when you're not playing it regularly. I guess. So. Yeah, it does. It really does. <laughs> Same goes for the tech ops. Yeah, and the the old tech ops. Some of them are really tough, and with the random selection as well, it's um, it can be it can be pretty difficult on on the, on the various games. But Connor and I were, were sort of were saying that it in a weird way going back and playing that, having now played the new missions and the new tech ops, you can really see just how much the games come on, which I think's pretty cool for the future oh yeah it gave me a new appreciation for the new additions to the game because they really just nudged the game into the right direction at least when you're thinking about competitive stuff and uh yeah i think i've never used the warrant of trade before uh which allows the starsiders to just choose from different archetypes before or i think i had like between 20 to 30 games before the tournament to just practice with the team and just drill the auras and stuff that they can do into me and what it was helping me every week um i played during the week and uh over the weekend we had a game and he just handed my ass to me which is pathfinders <laughs> and i got i've gotten closer and closer by the end it was like a three point difference between us but still i was beaten fairly and squarely <laughs> And in that time period, I think I only used that warrant of trade once, and we switched back the old, to the old stuff, and I used it at every game, every three of my games. I, I built my deck from security and recon as well. Well, I think because and the reason why that was so important is because with three rounds, it was obviously mainly focused on that primary tiebreaker, which was going to be tack ops, right? So the only way that you were going to get first place is to have effectively a, a, a faultless tournament. You had to win all three games, you had to max tack ops, and you really couldn't afford to drop any VP. And I think there was, I want to say like three or four players that all finished the tournament having one or three games max tack ops and, and dropped very amounts of vp so i think you only got one the entire tournament and that's how you managed to to get the first place right yep yeah it was on loot and salvage in my second game i just couldn't reach a point i was a bit bummed by that i thought that someone will be there and just have three perfect games and i will be a set second or third but luckily that didn't happen <laughs> and that's another interesting point about a lot of the old missions which i didn't really think about until until recently but the individual ability to score vp um, per round is so variable based on the mission you're on you know if you're on a, on a wrong mission then you can hard miss out on v vp that your opponent might be able to max quite easily on which is well not your opponent but other other people in, in the tournament oh yeah like domination or uh, master the terminals you get handed that mission and bye bye podium yeah absolutely even if you are 
sort of playing a perfect game. You just can't maximize those missions. Which is which is pretty rough for the for the tournament run. But luckily it managed to work out for you. So you went through all three rounds, quite clear victories, I think, on, on each one, and then managed to take take first place, which is which is pretty awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it was a bit stressful to just focus on getting perfect games every time, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. A fourth round would have made it a bit better, I think. But there we go. And, and to be fair to the staff, I, I think they acknowledged that. You know, they, they knew that it wasn't the tournament that they had wanted to do, but for various reasons outside of their control, it ended up with, with what it was. But I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad that it was still a brilliant tournament. Wasn't it? it was. It was a fan, yeah, fantastic tournament. I'm glad that it's that you managed to come all this way and and get that win. Yeah, I mean, even with this tiny disappointment, I still enjoyed it massively. And I think I traveled like nine hours. Was to crowd there and it's something like 11 or 12 hours back home so even with that in mind i enjoyed my time there and i would go back awesome stuff can i uh, can i jump in with a question laurie yep ryan and i we were discussing um lucidian star striders in the meta watch last week uh, and you've just obviously picked them up and played a tournament won a tournament with them how do you think they sit at the minute do you think they're they're strong do you think they're a bit overtuned what was your opinion oh that's a good question so they might be a slightly overtuned, but I really don't know what could fix them. Because if you take the blasting assets and just bump them back to four up hits, then their potential drops massively. Like something like halving it, saving on a four up eight wounds, nothing cover going from six damage average outbound and forty five percent chance to kill to four damage and twenty nine percent so almost halving it like two third so maybe that would be too much of a hit and maybe four up with ceaseless it brings it down but not by so much but to be frank if i really think about my games on the tournament and uh, my prepping games for the tournament the assets were not the determining factor in like 70 percent of my games or 80 and when they were it it was a pretty big skill difference i think when it came to me and my opponent because if you can fire an asset from deployment and kill a bunch of dudes then something went wrong most of the time it can be prevented and i think the player on star striders comes in the form of playing with obscurity and playing with uh, concealment because they have no way to deny it i mean you can move figures up within two inch to a guy and just archaeotech beam him in the face but uh, if you know the threat ranges, if you know the movement of the Striders, you can avoid it most of the time. I think the the thing I, I would take out of it is, I completely agree with you. I, I don't think the blast assets are what's making them the menace on, on the, the higher tables, but I think it is what's making people feel them difficultly when they're, you know, when you first play them, it, it catches people off guard. And at the lower tables, or, or not lower tables, when people are less experienced, that's where, where they get caught out and they, they don't realize it can happen quite so early on. So I think that's why the blast assets are probably what most people complain about because they feel that that's where it is. But I think at the, at the higher levels, it's more the, because um, as you said, you can't play around obscurity, but you can play around quite well with the, the, indirect so you have the indirect pistols indirect crack grenade um, which both can be double balanced and then you combine that with as as you said just then being able to run up 10 inches with a move and dash get within two and uh sky laser someone and i think that that's the the ability of them to play around heavy cover as well so, so they're quite good in, that, in those those environments i think that's probably where they need to look at it but again i don't think that's i don't think that's a that's like a core mechanic of the team and i don't know how you necessarily fix that just by 
with a, with a small change. So I'm debating, you know, is it is it something to do with their uh, damage reduction ploy? Can we make that more uh, favorable for people over a course of a game, or can you make it so at least it's it's more CP intensive? Maybe it's it's another way of of, of doing it because they are a very CP hungry team and they have some fantastic strats. So maybe making either lethal proximity one plus or making um, the un- undaunted explorers one plus might be a way to get that CP advantage away from them. I'm not sure. And let's acknowledge they're a very fun team to play at the minute, and you don't want to ruin that by tweaking them. Absolutely. Yeah. Going back to that blast point that you mentioned, do you reckon without even having to fire the blast, just the threat of the blast and that cognitive load is actually having a huge impact on the opponent and where they put their models and how they want to play? Yep, exactly. That's that's one of the plays that you have with Sash Riders, the constant pressure that uh, you're exacting on your opponent. So he or she has to disperse the models over the board, uh, because even firing into elites, if three, you can hit three of them with the Guided Shell, which is the two-inch blast variant. I think it's worse to do it over Archaeotech beaming just one, because you will cause some damage and uh, make uh, way to even Vayne, who will now have a reroll against an already wounded model or just finishing the job with the void master for example or uh, charging in your your assassin so yeah i really like that aspect of the team to be honest i think there's like a, an interesting thing there so because w- the way the way i look at it is the threat of the the blast forces you to play into into hard cover and forces you or heavy cover and, and forces you to, to move up the board and stick to that as you go which then limits where you can move to but then with a combination of, of as we talked about then vein that the void master at close range the the, the crack grenades um, and the frag grenades you can then pre-game select where you want to have those those guys deployed so that wherever your opponent moves to it's within threat range of those key threats and that's that's something that i felt when i was going forward is that like if you if you move and dash someone uh, even a random voidsman just onto the center of an objective so, so they are on the middle then there is nowhere within two inches where you can put a guy on that objective and not be hit by an asset which is is a huge area of denial so you have to make sure that you kill them when they're on that objective but actually killing them when they're taking that uh, half damage strat is again really difficult to do so this you're statistically not going to and that can be really rough you know you'll do six damage with even with a say like a crack grenade or something like that so I think that's that's hard to play around, and I think that's, that's probably where they're they're being most successful. So, I think if I was to look at them and say how how do you fix that team, I would probably say something along the lines of the damage reduction and or reliability of their indirect weapons is something you probably want to look at as to how to make them a, a better play experience or, or or to tone them down potentially because they are they are doing pretty well at the moment with their win rates about sixty five percent if not if not higher, which is which is pretty good, um, and they're winning a lot of tournaments as well. Okay. Obviously, we t- talked about uh, Star Striders there, and I think it's probably worthwhile just talking about your specific play style because I think it's really interesting to see how you how you uh, you, you approach a board and, and and what you want to try and do on it. So, do you have a way that you would describe your play style at all? Moderately aggressive at the moment. When I first started playing, I think I was most of the wall aggressive, just off a striking all the fucking time and just <laughs> having a laugh if they, if it succeeds. <laughs> Have you met Connor? He might, he might get on really well. <laughs> Is there another way to play? <laughs> I mean, as my brother, <laughs> uh, he actually coached me to tone myself back. Because <laughs> that playstyle doesn't really work if I want to win consistently. Sometimes it does, but most of the time it doesn't. And it's uh, too dice-reliant. 
let's say that. I'm not saying it can't work because um, when I started out with Legionary, I, with Zinge, I think 80% of the time I could find an angle with my Sorcerer to just blast away with that semi-lethal 5-up into 3 or 4 guys and just mostly win the game TP1. Um, but uh, again, against more experienced players, that won't really work because they won't give you those angles, or at least not TP1, and you really have to work for it. So that's why I try to be aggressive on objectives nowadays and victory points. So most of the time, when, for example, when it comes to, to deciding which deployment zone to take, which side of the board to take, I try to I'll look at it from two different perspectives. So one, of course, after do I have to deny anything for my opponent so he just doesn't blast me to pieces uh, out of deployment. Um, but after those, the typical stuff, I usually just um, firstly look at objective play. How can I move up quickly recite guarantees a better pathway to objectives? And uh, the, quick, the, more, uh, the quicker the better, keeping in mind that uh, you have, uh, when it comes to Strider, for example, you have your Electromiser uh, who can move dash and do a mission action. You have your Assassin who is uh, 3 APL from the get-go and you can make one of your navies 3 APL. So you have potentially three guys who can make big objective grabs, TP1, or be set up for a big swoop in TP2. So that's the first thing I look at. And after that, I try to decide which side has the better shooting angles. If it's one side is for shooting and one side is for objective play, from my perspective, then I nowadays tend to go for the objective play. But like <laughs> two months ago, I would go for the shooting all the fucking time. Um, so I try to change myself a bit. A bit um, and maybe that's why Star Striders clicked with me because after all GT and after the ITD TTS tournament I try to look around other teams and I try to breach a strider but got tried out um, Corsairs I wanted to try the blooded but uh, I tried with stri uh, striders before them and uh, just to have a feel um, how's it how's it to play with bigger teams not just elites and to work on my time management when it comes to deciding the place of multiple figures, not just six. And um, Strat was just clicked with me with this aggressive objective play that you can do. And um, if you think that your opponent will be aggressive, you just pop and out to Explorer's TP1 and uh, you can move up in a safer way on the board in concealment. And from concealment, you can actually still pose a threat with your assets. So one of the tricks that I try to pull is uh, positioning at least two navies uh, operatives on the board, if I can, on the flanks. So I have two shooting an angles into two different either operatives, if, if it's elites or uh, groups of uh, figures if it's hot at that point you just offer up the choice to your opponent to okay which group you want to be gone or injured and forcing them to make a sort of impossible choice which will frustrate them and it's the psychological aspect of playing uh, because after that they will make mistakes or 
if they are not practiced, they will make mistakes and you can exploit it. I think that was definitely the mistake that, that, that I made, was getting baited into trying to match that turn one threat with an equal level of threat. I don't think breaches can do that. Some teams can, sure, like Pathfinders, but um, breaches definitely can't do that. So it, it's interesting to, to see how you talk about it because I think the way you describe your play style and the way that I read Star Striders, they seem to perfectly match. match. So I can definitely see why you're getting a lot of, um, a lot of enjoyment out of playing them. Yeah, I think so as well. It's just perfect team for this style, I think. I hope you're taking notes, Connor. So I think that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. And hopefully for you guys out there, you found something new or useful while listening. Uh, if you did, as I said, throwing us a like would be greatly appreciated and hitting that subscribe button so we can reach that 1,000 subscribers would be would be really awesome. Uh, if you want to make sure uh, you don't miss any episodes, that is the best way of doing it. You can also click that notification button to make sure you get a notification as soon as the next one drops. And if you uh, if you can't wait and you do want early access, uh, we do have the Patreon uh, where you can get exclusive access to all of this content and a bit more stuff that we throw in, uh, throw in there as well. All of that ahead of time. So as always... We said it before, we'll say it again. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Drop a comment below and we'll get right to you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Clostry for being here. Thank you to Connor um, for helping me out. I've been your, your host, Ryan. This has been Turning Point Tactics and we'll see you next week.